Chapter thirty eight of Delorme by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty eight. Immediately after breakfast, I returned to the apartments of the Count de Soissons to attend him with the rest of his suite to the tilt yard, and in a few minutes after was called to his chamber by his valet. I found him already dressed and prepared to take his share in the sports. He was fitting himself with a right-hand glove of strong buff leather, which covered his arm to the elbow, and in regard to the exact proportions of which he seemed as curious as a young lordling of a new pourpoint. "'What, Delorme?' cried he. "'Not gloved! You can never hold your lance without such a supplementary skin as this. Choose one from this heap, and see that the flap fall clear over the inner part of your forearm.' I endeavoured to excuse myself by informing his highness that I was quite unused to such exercises, but he would not hear of my being merely a spectator, and replied, laughing, "'Nonsense, nonsense, I must see how you ride, and how you use your sword, to know whether I can give you a regiment of cavalry with safety.' "'Ho, Gouvion, order Monsieur de Lorme's horse to be saddled instantly.' There was, of course, no way of opposing the Count's command, and though I was very much afraid that I should do myself no great credit, I was obliged to submit, and accompanied Monsieur le Comte to the little court at the foot of the staircase, with somewhat nervous feeling at the idea of exhibiting myself before two or three hundred people, in exercises which I had never even seen. I had quite sufficient vanity to be timid, where failure implied the slightest touch of ridicule. The tilt-chart consisted of a large piece of level ground, within the walls of perhaps a couple of acres in extent the centre of which was enclosed with barriers surrounding an oblong space of about two hundred feet in length by fifty in breadth the distance was so small from the court before the count's apartments to the barriers that he had sent on the horses and walked thither followed by myself and about a dozen other gentlemen of his suite as we approached the people who had assembled to witness the exercises and amongst whom were a number of soldiers, received the Count with a shout sufficiently indicative of his popularity, and separating respectfully as he advanced, permitted him to meet a small knot of the more distinguished exiles, who had flocked to his standard at the first report of his having determined to take arms against the Cardinal. The Count proceeded onward, bowing to the people in recognition of their welcome, with that bland smile which sits so gracefully on the lips of the great, and then advancing with somewhat of a quicker step, as he perceived the group of nobles I have mentioned hurrying to meet him, he spoke to them all, but selected two for more particular attention. The first was a man of about fifty, and after I had heard him named as the Duke of Vendôme, I fancied I could discover in his face a strong likeness to the busts of Henri IV. The second was the Duke of Bouillon, and certainly never did I behold a countenance which, without being at all handsome, possessed so pre-eminently intellectual an expression. To me it was not pleasing, nor was it was what is called shrewd, nay, nor thoughtful, and yet it was all mind, mind quick to perceive, and strong to repel, and steady to retain, and bold to uphold. The whole was more impressive than agreeable, and gave the idea of all the impulses springing from the brain, and none arising in the heart. After he had returned the embrace of the Count de Soissons, his quick dark eye instantly glanced to me with an inquiring look. 
the prince saw and interpreted his glance and making me a sign to advance he introduced me to his ally as louis count de Lorme, only son of the noble house of bigore the first gentleman of his bedchamber the duke bowed low and with what i judged rather an unnecessary ostentation of politeness welcomed me to sedan while the count with a smile that seemed to imply that he read clearly what was passing in his friend's mind said in a low tone do not be afraid bouillon if he is not for you he is not against you he that is not for me replied the duke of bouillon with that irreverent use of scriptural expressions which was so common in those days he that is not for me is against me i love not neutrals give me the man who has spirit enough to take some determinate side and support it with his whole soul all the blood in my body i believe found its way up into my cheek but i remained silent and the count seeing that monsieur de bouillon was in an irritable mood and judging that i was not of a disposition patiently to bear many such taunts as he had most undeservedly launched at me led the way to the barriers monsieur de riquemont the count's chief ecuyer having been appointed maître de camp for the time opened the barriers and entered the field first followed by a crowd of valets and estaffiers carrying in a number of lances and pasteboard blocks made to represent the heads of moors and saracens which were deposited in the middle of the field the prince then mounted his horse and followed by the dukes of bouillon vendome and la valette rode through the barrier turning to me as he did so and calling me to keep near him i instantly sprang upon my horse which little achilles held ready for me and galloped after the count all those whose rank entitled them to pass did the same a certain number of grooms and lackeys were also admitted to hold the horses amongst whom achilles contrived to place himself and the barriers being closed the rest of the people ranged themselves without which was indeed the best situation for viewing the exercises at about two-thirds of the course from the entrance raised above one of the posts which upheld the wooden railing of the enclosure was a high pillar of wood with a crossbar at the top in form of a gallows and which was in fact called la potence from this was suspended a ring hanging about a foot below the beam and during the course one of the prince's domestics was mounted on the barrier supporting himself by the pillar of wood to ascertain precisely whether those who missed hitting the inside of the ring and so carrying it away might not touch its edge which was counted as an inferior point the mestre de camp now arranged us in the order in which we were to run and i was glad to find that i should be preceded by five cavaliers from each of whom i hoped to receive a lesson the prince of course took the lead and i observed that a great deal of dexterity was necessary to couch the lance with grace and ease after pausing for a moment with the lance erect he made a demi-volt and gradually dropping the point brought his elbow slowly to his side while putting his horse into a canter and then into a gallop he kept the point of the weapon steadily above the right ear of his horse exactly on a line with his own forehead till coming near the pillar with his charger at full speed he struck the ring and bore it away the marker now cried loudly un dedans un dedans and some of the estaffiers ran to place another ring in the meanwhile amidst the applauses which multitudes always so unscrupulously bestow upon success 
The Count, without looking behind, rode round the field, slowly raising the point of his lance, on which he still bore the ring he had carried away. The Duke of Bouillon, notwithstanding his gout, proceeded next to the course, and, without taking any great pains respecting the grace of his movements, aimed his lance steadily and carried away the ring. The Duke of Vendôme had declined running, and Monsieur de la Valette, though managing his horse and his lance with the most exquisite grace, passed the ring without hitting it at all. De Varicaville missed the centre, but struck it on the outside, when the marker cried loudly, Une attente! Lina tent! And the Marquis de Bardouville, who, like a great many other very hard-headed men, was famous for such exercises, spurred on and carried it away like lightning. It now became my turn, and I will own that I wished myself anywhere in the wide world but there. However, there was no remedy, and I was sure that, though I might not be able to carry away or even touch the ring, I could manage my horse as well as any man in the field. But I had forgotten that to every such compact as that between a man and his horse, there are two parties, both of whom must be in perfect good humour. The roan horse which had borne me from Paris was an excellent strong roadster, and sufficiently well broke for all common purposes. But for such exercises as those in which both he and his master were so unwillingly engaged, he had no taste whatever. It was with the greatest difficulty, therefore, that I compelled him to make his demi-volte before beginning the course. This accomplished, he galloped on steadily enough towards the pillar, but just at the moment that I was aiming my lance to the best of my power, the potence, the ring, and the man standing on the railing, all seemed to catch his sight at once, and thinking it something very extraordinary and not at all pleasant, he started sideways from the course, and dashed into the very centre of the field, scattering the estaffier and valet like a flock of sheep, and treading upon the pasteboard heads of moors and turks with most pitiless precipitation. Spurs and bridle were all in vain. I might as well have spurred a church steeple, and in the end down he came upon his haunches in the most ungraceful posture in the world, while a loud shout of laughter from the Duke of Bouillon and several others announced that my misfortune had not afforded the smallest part of the morning's amusement. God forgive me, I certainly could have committed more than one murder in the height of my wrath, and digging my spurs into my horse's sides with most unjustifiable passion, till the blood streamed from them, I forced him up, and rode round to the spot where the Duke of Bouillon stood, with intentions which I had luckily time to moderate before I arrived. I passed on, therefore, to the Count de Soissons, merely giving the Duke a glance as I passed, in which he might well read what was passing in my heart. He returned it with a cold stare, and then turned to Bardouville with a sneering smile, which had nearly driven me mad. "'Your Highness sees,' said I, as I came near the Count, "'the unfortunate issue of my attempt to give you pleasure. Perhaps you will now condescend to excuse my father exposing myself to the laughter of Monsieur de Bouillon and his friends.' "'Fie, you are angry, my dear de Lorme, replied the Count, with a degree of good humour I hardly deserved. "'I will certainly not excuse you going on with the exercises. You managed that horse, as well as such a horse could possibly be managed, and a great deal better than any of the laughers would have done. But though a good strong beast, he is not fit for such games as these, 
and therefore as soon as i saw him start i sent one of my grooms for a managed horse of my own that has a mouth like velvet and will obey the least touch of the leg mount my good delorme and shame these merry fools by showing them some better horsemanship than they can practise themselves the count then turning to the rest kindly amused a few moments in conversation till such time as he saw his groom trotting down the beautiful charger he proposed to lend me i made a sign to achilles to hold the horse i was upon and alighting the moment the other passed the barrier i laid my hand lightly on his shoulder and sprang into the saddle without touching the stirrup the courses recommenced and monsieur le comte again carried away the ring not so the duke of bouillon who merely touched it on the outer edge the duc de la valette also gained an attente and both varicaville and bardouville carried it away as may be supposed i had watched narrowly every motion of the other cavaliers and had remarked and endeavoured to appropriate all that sat gracefully upon them habituated from my infancy to almost every other corporeal exercise and game i found no great difficulty in acquiring this and mounted as i was upon a horse that seemed almost instinctively to know its rider's will and obey it i had every advantage the noble animal performed his demi-volte with the utmost grace and precision and now finding by the very touch of the bridle that i had a different creature to deal with i easily balanced the lance as i had seen the count de soissons kept the point over my horse's right ear and somewhat imitating the swiftness with which de bardouville had run his course i galloped on at full speed struck the ring right in the centre and bore it away at once the feelings of a multitude unlike the feelings of most individuals do not seem mixed and blended with each other but each appears separate and distinct reigns its moment and then gives way to another like the passions of an ardent and hasty man and this probably because the sensations of all the parts of the crowd act in the aggregate while any counteracting principle is confined to one or two and does not appear thus the spectators outside the barriers who had laughed with the duke of bouillon at my former failure were as ready to triumph with me as over me and greeted my success with a loud shout while suddenly bringing my horse into a walk i proceeded round the field slowly raising my lance with the ring still upon the point the count de soissons fixed his eyes upon me and gave me a glance expressive of as much pleasure as if he had been the person interested while the duke of bouillon looked on with an air of the most perfect indifference and talked aloud with bardouville upon the pleasures of a barbecued pig mixed feelings of indignation and triumph excited me to a pitch of exertion which brought with it greater success than i could have expected i again carried away the ring and at the end of the third course found myself only exceeded in the number of points i had made by the count de soissons who had carried the ring twice and struck it once the different pasteboard heads were now placed in the positions assigned for them and the count de soissons who generously entered into all my feelings and saw that anger had made success a matter of importance to me now beckoning me to him bade me in a whisper to remark well the manoeuvres of those who preceded me and above all things to take care that i neither dropped my hat nor withdrew my foot from the stirrup as though merely a matter of etiquette the course was considered lost by such an occurrence i thanked his highness for his caution 
and fixing my hat more firmly on my head and myself more steadily in the saddle i left him to run his course the heads had been placed at various distances along the line of the barriers one a most ferocious-looking saracen was fixed upon an iron stand at about one hundred and twenty-five feet from the beginning of the course and raised about eight feet from the ground this was made to turn upon a pivot and near it in the exact centre of the course was placed a target painted with a head of medusa as soon as all was arranged the count couched his lance and ran full speed at the saracen but not being hit exactly in the centre the head turned upon its pivot and the lance passed off the prince however rode on and tossing the lance to an estaffier who stood ready to catch it turned with a demi-volt at the corner and drawing one of his pistols from the saddle-bow galloped towards the medusa in the centre of the barrier the crowd on the outside now ran in every direction and the count discharging his pistol hit the face upon the target exactly in the middle of the brow without pausing he urged his horse forward and making the same turn nearly where i stood he came back upon the head and fired his second pistol at it with the same success he then made a complete vault during which he replaced his pistol drew his sword and galloping past the third head which was placed upon a little mound of earth about two feet high near the opposite barrier he gave point with his sword in tierce struck it on the forehead and raising his hand in cart held up the head upon the sword's point i found that the groom who had brought down the count's horse for me had taken care to provide pistols also and as the principal feats in this course were performed with weapons which i was accustomed to i did not fear the result the gentleman who preceded me met with various success but bardouville who was certainly the most stupid of them all in mind was the most expert in body and carried every point i followed his example and succeeded in bearing off the saracen's head upon the point of my lance making both my shots tell upon the head of medusa and bringing up the third head upon the point of my sword accidental or not accidental my success changed the posture of affairs for the duke of bouillon from that moment seemed to regard me in a very different light from that which he had done at first and as we rode out of the barriers he kept the prince in close conversation which from the glancing of his eye every now and then towards me i could not doubt had some reference to myself End of chapter 38